We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the latest episode of Series 10, Doctor Who, The Empress of Mars. Is it Empress of Mars or The Empress of Mars? I think it's Empress. I think it's Empress of Mars, but I stand to be corrected. Well, we'll go with Empress of Mars. I think think the the is unnecessary. The Doctor... The the is necessary. Bill and Nardole crash NASA HQ just as the Mars Valkyrie probe is about to send back the first pictures from under the Martian ice cap. Imagine their surprise when the words, God save the Queen, written in rocks, are revealed beneath the ancient ice. The TARDIS determines the words were written in approximately 1881 and takes the crew there. It promptly departs on its own with only Nardole on a board stranding the Doctor and Bill. Underneath the surface of the planet, they find a breathable atmosphere and a squad of British Imperial soldiers and their ice warrior manservant, Friday. The colonel in charge found the wrecked ice warrior ship in South Africa and rescued the suspended ice warrior within. He helped repair the ship and brought the troops to Mars for promised mineral riches and to expand the British Empire. With a giant Martian technology weapon from the ship, they have been excavating, but so far, to no avail. Of course, soon after the Doctor arrives, they burst through to the tomb of an Ice Queen. They think it contains riches, but it really contains the remnants of the Ice Warrior race in suspended animation. Once revived, the Doctor fights desperately to broker peace between the two races, but hotter heads prevail, and fighting seems assured. In the end... The bravery of the colonel and his willingness to sacrifice his life to save his men convinces the Ice Queen to cooperate. With Mars now a dead world, the Doctor fixes up a radio and transmits a message for help to the stars. Alpha Centauri responds and sends help to rescue the Ice Warriors. There's just one thing left to do. The Doctor, Bill, and the colonel build the stone message, God Save the Queen, on the surface of Mars to help Alpha Centauri find their location. Nardole returns with the TARDIS, but the Doctor is dismayed to find the Master at the controls. So, Empress of Mars, Mark Gatiss, what did you think? This couldn't really be any more Mark Gatiss than this, I mean... (laughs) It's It's got the facial hair thing, he's got an obsession with soldiers and stuff, with the the British... Thing. I know, it is Mark Gates. And, and the, the Victoriana stuff yeah. and the uh, the kind of scientific romances. Because this, uh, this reminded me so much of um, his first men on the moon that yes. we, re- we reviewed on here back in episode 23, I believe. Wow. Uh, <laughs> like, I know. I couldn't tell you what this episode is. <laughs> Number. Well, I couldn't tell you that. But... Um, the 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 you know that that kind of hg wells jules verney uh, mm-hmm. vibe going through it you know that's something that gatus loves um yep. the 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 kind of details of the of the victorian society and and as a setting for doctor who so he can kind of play around with the the anachronisms and the steampunky stuff mm. and obviously uh, ice warriors because he, he's the only ice warrior author Apart from Brian Hales on TV, I think. Yes, I think Brian Hales did all of it. That's right. I don't think he had a co-writer, so I'm pretty sure it's all Brian Hales. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all that. I mean, uh, and, you know, when we um, when we did the uh, First Men in the Moon, I don't recall, because I don't think that's available. I don't think no, it's available I, to purchase. Um, no, we reviewed it after it had been on, it was on, BBC Two or BBC Four or something, and we reviewed it straight after it had aired. Pretty unusually for Fusion Patrol, since yeah, apart from Doctor Who, it tends to you know need a few decades in between. And it disappeared. I, I, yeah. would, I would have that in my DVD collection if I, I I really enjoyed it. But you know, I think one of the things it didn't do, or it sort of did, but it it sort of but it didn't was if you'll recall the nineteen sixties first Men in the Moon. That was kind of the premise. The American astronauts were 
or a, an international team of astronauts, I think, was exploring the moon, and they found the British flag from the Cavour expedition. That was so. I mean, here's Gaddis again, just paying homage to that to that genre and, and those yeah. those yeah and and wow solid old style doctor who too yes yes this this but no, felt, but, go ahead i mean not not just it, it certainly it felt very it felt very kind of uh classic doctor who but the pacing is ju- it's just it's knocking me out how well they've got this now and i i know it's sort of 12 years since doctor who's come back to 45 minute episodes and maybe i've just got used to it but the the sort of first series always felt a bit kind of uneven in terms of some episodes feeling very uh rushed and like there was there was far too much for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and they were playing around because with different uh, one parts and two parts this season where uh I mean, if you set aside the the three parter, all of the one parters have just felt bang on in terms of pacing. I think partly because they've had kind of a, a, maybe a bit less in them. There's been more more room to breathe, so they've they've sort of used the space better. But actually, this is a this is a pretty. Um, it feels it feels like it's quite an action packed episode. The the action goes on at a fair lick and the 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 dialogue is pacey i I guess maybe actually the plot is quite simple when you think Mm. about it it's very but you know it 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 gives you it gives you that feeling and when you think about it actually the plot for some of the old doctor who four-parters were quite simple so right trimming out the padding yeah i think you've i think you've got a, a a sort of very solid enjoyable um classic era episode here but in the 45 minutes um dressed up in the the sort of new era trappings with um with a really sort of interesting uh human story that i i, I guess is maybe slightly more of a 21st century thing for who but mm. I, I i could be wrong but but exploring that kind of human angle of the um the victorian coward if you like right right I I will say if I had any criticism of this episode, and I really really enjoyed this episode, um, I, I, I it may be my favorite uh, of the of the series so far. But if I had a criticism, I if the story remains the way it is, then I don't think it could be. Then yes, it would not. It, it paced well for for this story for what it was, but the story for what it was was very light and i think i would have liked to have seen this one as a two-parter but it definitely would have had to have something else going on and i'm not sure what that would be but i just i did feel like to get the pacing right they kind of had to really shorthand the conflict and the resolution on this um not not saying that they got them wrong i'm not saying that they got the pacing wrong because they didn't but you know, it's a question between getting the pacing, you know, too fast because you're trying to cram too much in. They didn't do that, but I think they pulled things out maybe that um, maybe could have expanded or maybe could have done a little better world building on it. But uh, it's hard oh, to I, pick on. I, I, don't, I don't think I could disagree more about the world building. I thought what they did was fantastic. Into, I mean, they were obviously capitalising on the fact that it's a known monster, so you didn't have to do quite as much introduction to it. But even then, I think if you weren't familiar with the Ice Warriors, you'd have everything you needed in this, mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 whole the 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 kind of the Victorian expedition to the moon with them sitting around having tea in Redcliffe caves there is just so atmospheric. I. I, I think if you had added anything else in, it would have been it would have been extraneous. It would have been padding it out to fill the time. So I, I, I I'm really not sure. I, I I think there was everything there was everything I needed in there because. It, uh, how about it, this? It, I, I, would, I wanted to stay here for more than forty five minutes. I, oh, I get that. Okay, yeah. I mean that is that is really what it is. I would have liked to have seen more 
more in this world that was built. I loved it. I loved the, the and and yes, we can go back to look at some old John Pertwee episodes that are six parts long that they are definitely too long. But there's also and there's, you know there's that balance between we have some time to kind of um, you know maybe tell a little bit more complicated uh, political situation or whether we have to do it in shorthand. And unfortunately, the tendency to lock the doctor up, unlock the doctor, lock the doctor up, unlock the doctor again. So, well, hang on. You're, you're praising it for being a classic episode. I, How would it be classic if you didn't lock the doctor up? Well, then they did. They, well, they did lock him up at least once in this episode. Sure. Um, I'm just saying that in some of the classic ones, they do it maybe too many times to fill the six episodes. But at the same time, they have they have some... They have a little bit more time to do some other things. And, and and some of the things I can think of were when the Doctor and Joe just are sitting down and maybe she's scared or blue or and we get that chance to have the Doctor really interact with Joe as almost a, a take out of the side um, or situations where we get a... Vendor. Hmm? Ham-fisted bun vendor. <laughs> Well, there's that too, <laughs> uh, and and then also we have uh, situations where they can kind of build in a little bit more of the politics or the the, the background of of you know the colonists or whoever it happens to be. And then I agree, I'm not. Well, I, I, said, I thought the they managed fit, to do but that I really well. I would have loved them to have dumped two episodes of the monks and just gone ahead and left us on Mars for three. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I would I would say that one of the successes of this is that it leaves you wanting more and it it does that it, it's it's I, I wouldn't say it's that it's my favorite episode in the season but one of the reasons why I think it is particularly uh, there's something particularly exciting about it is because as well as kind of telling a very sort of solid well-constructed story interesting uh, guest cast on both the human martian side is that it it also slots in a kind of key piece into the the and if if i can get a bit nerdy and um mm-hmm. i know where we're going here lost lo- lo- is in the kind of history of of the of martian civilization here yeah because immediately i see something like this well first of all we've never had an ice warrior story on tv on Mars, as far as I'm aware, right. We always right. get the you know the Ice Warriors are trying to invade Earth or have you know are discovered on Earth or on in in the Peladon stories. You've got the whole kind of stray monsters and Galactic Federation story where they're a bit incidental. Not that I, I mean in a way those are my favourite Ice Warrior stories because you learn a lot more about a race by looking at its contrast with other other races and and you know i think it's influenced things like the you know the rtd end of the world and so forth but it's still quite nice to get something of what you know what happened what 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 was going on with the with the martian civilization that that they did end up fragmented uh you know with a a a frozen ice warrior here and uh an invading ice warrior there and and the fact I mean, that Mars op- is a dead world, the fact that Mars is a dead world, and so and and one option would obviously have been to go further back to the the kind of full Martian civilization. But I like you know what I like here is you get a glimpse of that. You get enough to be sort of told um, this is what is happening to Mars, and you get that nice kind of throw forward to to the the you know the Martians joining the Galactic Federation and everything. So you get to fit that in. And if you're particularly nerdy about it, you're sort of sitting there. Well, if you're if you're nerdy enough, you probably don't need to do the kind of dredging of your memory that I had to do. But trying to think 1881. So hang on a minute. What? uh, How does this fit in with what we see in, say, the Ice Warriors or Seeds of Doom? Doom. Death. Doom. I always get those ones mixed up. Death. Death. Seeds of Death. Um, So which you know i think it all fits in with and i think it actually fits in with the big big finish have strayed onto mars with their ice mm, warrior red stories dawn and... but with yeah with with the the red dawn comes up in 
Red Dawn and the Judgment of Iscar. <laughs> yeah. And I think it fits with that because it's sufficiently ambiguous in both stories that, that um, the, the kind of apocalyptic event, whatever it was, could be the same for either. It's interesting because they did put in a piece of the puzzle here, and it's a throwaway line. Apparently the Ice Warriors were at war. He, okay, he, maybe Friday, not quite the same. Friday did say something to the effect of, you know, the war... The is all gone, everything, as if that was a thing when they went into hibernation. So, you know, it, it would be then reasonable to assume that maybe there, there are the other ice water. No, I don't know that it's the war that caused it. I'm just saying it would be reasonable to assume there are other hives of ice warriors that maybe didn't get picked up. So, Such as the, the, tomb, the tomb in Red Dawn. Yes, exactly. So it could have been the other side. It could have been another... Who knows what it was, but yeah, I, it felt absolutely. like he left it open for that. Yes. But I tell you, nothing. I mean, every time I have watched this episode, it it if you have ever if you've ever had a show or something you watch and you know it's coming or you don't know it's coming, and every time it comes up, you cannot help smile, and that is what happens to me every time Alva Centauri's voice comes yes. on at the end of that. I just absolutely adore that throwback and the fact that they got the same actress is to do the voice is amazing but yeah um i, I thought that was really because alpha centauri appears in the bride of peladon but that's voiced by jane goddard instead so she hasn't actually come back to the role at all since the um monster monster, Mon- monster get them the wrong way around i think curse was first because it didn't yeah no you're exist. absolutely yeah. right because the monster was in monster and that was the second story so, I mean, that just, you know, stand up and clap. As soon as that voice popped on there, I'm like, that can't possibly be Alpha Centauri. And then it... it I, 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 that, was, that was one because I, I, I got very behind with uh, Doctor Who. And so I didn't watch this on the day it was aired. Ooh, got I spoiled. About, I was about a day late. And it, and, it, and it was the one thing, so much politics going on, I couldn't keep myself off the internet. But on the other hand, I did see it was it was the one thing where they were tweeting about Alpha Centauri and you could you couldn't miss it. And therefore, the the surprise was gone. But as you say, even if you know it's coming, it's still a lovely moment. Yeah. And one of the things in in all of Doctor Who, there are several episodes that I genuinely feel kind of break, maybe not the mold exactly, but but they, you know, they advance the 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 mythos of Doctor Who and Curse of Peladon to me is one of them because this is an episode where the Doctor has come up against the Ice Warriors twice before they have been evil or certainly invading and unreasonable and the Doctor is pretty much not trusting them and sure they're the villains and this is one of those circumstances in Doctor Who and it may be I'm not going to our listeners may correct me. It may be the first time in Doctor Who where we're presented with the idea of maybe the villain is understood, misunderstood, or is not the villain. Or, And, <clears throat> you know, not so much in Monster of Peladon because it turns out the Ice Warriors are the bad guys, so they're trying to flip it on its end. It's like, oh, now you're convinced they're the good guys, and it turns out they're the bad guys. That one's not as good, but in Curse of Peladon, that's that's an amazing thing. And to have... Curse of Peladon drives that home for the Doctor, and then it's the Doctor who gets them into the Galactic Federation, basically, later on, is such a neat tie-up, and yes. such such demonstration of, of Gaddis as a fan, that I I love it. I mean, that is that's so much better than the Ice Warrior we had in um, um, the Russian sub one. Not oh God! Yeah, no. Not I, that I disliked I, I, the Ice Warrior in the Russian sub one, but I mean this this feels like an Ice Warrior story, and that could have been any generic alien yeah, fighter. Exactly what I was going to say was it wasn't it the Ice Warrior in 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 that wasn't it didn't make it an Ice Warrior story. It wasn't actually needed. Um, I mean, there was a monster needed, but right, it could have been everything, and it could have been anything. And whereas whereas this felt and looked very much of a piece with previous ice warrior stories and and it and it actually did feel like a bridge in a way between the the, the sort of 
early Ice Warrior stories and the, the Peladon stories, which to me are much more interesting and successful stories. But I think precisely the, the, the reason you say, which is that, that the Doctor, it, it kind of issues that very um, good versus evil, black and white, you know, the world is simple worldview, which alas seems to be coming, <laughs> coming back into, into uh, fashion. Mm-hmm at the moment in favor of saying actually you know life is complicated and different people have different needs agendas priorities and yet we can all get along if we are willing to sit down and compromise and and talk and and somehow the the peladon stories made that quite exciting it's certainly you know much more interesting than it sounds Mm. At, at a time when Britain was, you know, this is the bittersweet thing about the, the, the time Britain was entering <laughs> the, the <EU>. European <laughs> Union. <laughs> that's right. That's that was very timely. In. Yeah, and I think that was part of what that story was about. Undoubtedly, because it would be. I mean, we know these stories as you know, as we've seen in in the, in the monk stories this year and the Saigon stories a couple of years ago. They reflect the 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 kind of and even if it's less obvious there's always a sense in which real life seeps in but they certainly do reflect the kind of culture and politics of 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 the of mainstream of the of the time and so i'm still trying to work out what this one actually says but uh, certainly, certainly i think the nod to saying that you know now that the 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 ice warrior race has been brought down but it will become great again by joining a union mm-hmm. is quite pointed. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if that was intended or just accidental, but I, I will say this. Though. Well, we think we know Mark Gates' views on these things, so it, it wouldn't be something he did. Oh, I'm sure that Mark Gates, I, I suspect very much Mark Gates did not vote for Brexit. <clears throat> no. But, um, you know, whether writing this story, he said, um, I'm doing a piece about Brexit because... Curse of Peladon. Oh, really I don't think the timing of the story. Yeah. No, I think I, I think it was the choice to maybe include that ending, um, whether conscious or subconscious. Mm. I think I think there's probably there's probably something there, you know. And someone someone like him who is a kind of hardcore Doctor Who fan who is thinking about politics, but is has also got all of these Doctor Who stories rattling around in their mind. When this stuff's going on, you can't help but be, you know, make those connections in your head. So I'm sure, you know, in the kind of rich maelstrom of ideas going around while this was being written, that those, those links were what deliberately or inadvertently being made. I am. Um, so this whole, that train of thought made me think of something back to my earlier point sorry that's a bit of a derailure there but i I had nothing to add to the eu i think you're probably right um curse of peladon needed a little bit of space maybe it had too much i don't know but for the doctor to be able to go through that process of discovery yeah he needed several episodes of i don't trust the ice warriors Things are going bad. It must be the Ice Warriors. I'm investigating the Ice Warriors. Let's keep an eye on the Ice Warriors. You know, tell Joe. Tell Joe that the Ice Warriors are bad. Now Joe is convinced that the Ice Warriors are bad. Even when the Ice Warriors are helping people, even when the Ice Warriors are being, you know, saving the doctors, saving people, you know, the suspicion always falls on them because the doctor put the suspicion and she knows nothing about the Ice Warriors. And, um... And, you know, they had to slowly convince the Doctor throughout the course of the episode to to believe in them. And and you can't... I don't think they could have pulled something like that in a 45-minute episode. Obviously, they didn't have to do that in this episode. But one of my complaints about New Who is the Doctor knows everything. You know, he, he comes into the room and, and they've shorthanded it that he now basically has thousands and thousands of times more information than he did on his first run-through the galaxy, which is partially true, but it eliminates a lot of the investigation and a lot of the uh, exploring the world because he can shorten do you it think, out. Do you think that matters here? Because, I mean, we, in this story, we, we, know, know, we know a bit about the Ice Warriors, but also the, the key thing in this story is it's not 
it's not initially clear which side the doctor will come down on. See now, I because... don't. I don't agree with that. Okay. In my mind, it was I. I, <clears throat> I never for a second doubted that he would be on the Ice Warriors side. The Earthmen are invaders. Maybe that's a well, maybe that's an American view of British imperial redcoats. <laughs> but they're the bad guys, and <laughs> and of course, you know, Catch Love or whatever his name was was you know almost twirling his mustache. He was so. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, but what a cracking performance! I uh, well, I really wasn't, but you know, he just you know it was it was like they are they are the invading f- primitive the bad things about mankind, the doctor is going to try to not get them killed. He's going to try to get them to leave. Yes. But I yes. felt he was going to be, you know, on the ice warrior's side because, you know, because of Curse of Peladon and because of Monster of Peladon, the doctor has a respect for the ice warriors. He knows yes, what he they does. can do, but he also, as he said, they can uh, soak, the, soak the sand in blood and cry at the crushing of a flower. He, he's... The Ice Warriors have become not ciphers, but they have become complicated beings to him. And therefore, I, you know, I'm not going to say that, that they weren't more primitive here and therefore more just like the British were. The humans are more primitive oh, yes. and more, uh, more aggressive and more territorial. And the Ice Warriors, who were also being invaded, were. So I, I, no, I, I, I was never in any suspense on that, or at least it didn't feel that way to me. I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously... The, that's the way the doctor rolls these days. And um, he's learned that lesson time and time again. So, but right. No, the, that part of it, I'm, I was just using an example of saying that, you know, there are, there are stories that there are aspects of a story that you could put in here that, that truly would deserve that space. And, and again, you're right. I wanted more. I wanted to stay on Mars. I wanted to go back but two leave, weeks leave wanting more. and land on Mars two weeks earlier and stay there for three weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know that would have that would have been uh, that would have been fine. Oh well, let's see. and also the the story of the Colonel and the Captain. Well, that I mean that to, to me that's the interesting thing about because as I I tend to agree the idea that well clearly the the Brits are invaders and the doctor isn't going to side entirely with them. Though, you know, the, as the balance of power changes, I didn't feel I knew exactly which way he was going to jump, but still what you've got um, with Godsaker is someone who is a genuinely sympathetic character. And you, you don't realize how sympathetic he is. You, you at first see the fact that he's just a bit more wise Double-headed, yeah. Yeah, because he keeps on holding um, Catchlove back when Catchlove wants to go in and just blast everyone. But that could be cowardice. I don't want to well, fight. It, I'm a scaredy cat. Indeed. It, 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 but he's not. He's but not afraid to stand up to Catchlove. And then, and then, and then, as you say, you get you you kind of get the backstory. And I I thought that was quite interesting. So um, you know, he he was a sympathetic character even if there were a couple of on the on the human side like uh i Jack didn't Daw. notice the name but yeah the, the kind of um standard issue um no uh, no good will ever come of him a victorian crook type yep. Yep. um so yeah i mean not not necessarily huge scope for character development there but nonetheless some quite satisfying uh little sketches that that play out in their own stories to to a to a kind of um proper conclusion so let me ask this question because it wasn't clear to me uh in the in the episode catch love is basically blackmailing the colonel because he knows yes. the colonel is a convicted criminal yeah does that mean that the colonel is actually not really in the army that he is not a colonel and that he's pretending yes. to be one I presume so. Yes. How, how does a pretend colonel get command of a squad of soldiers? I mean, don't they have to have orders? And somebody says, "Yeah, all right, here's a piece of paper, colonel." But if a, if a colonel gives you the orders, why? I, why I don't know. I mean, did he just go to some other group of soldiers and say, "You, you, 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 come with me. We're going to Mars." 
I don't I don't know but my my take on this my sort of my quick take on this was when we found out was that this there's no way he could have sustained this if they had been well I was going to say on earth but actually he could have done it on earth if they had been sufficiently uh, far away it it's basically the communication would have caused a problem if they had met other units and other members of the military hierarchy who might have known you know what had happened he would have been sunk but because on mars they're completely cut off from all of it if catch loves the only one who knows how's he going to get discovered and obviously he they're then they're not on a they're not on a an assigned mission it's not like the queen has gone right i want you to go and plant the flag on mars it's actually a result of an opportunistic discovery and a bit of basically glory seeking and you've got to assume despite the fact that there is a kind of um redemption for god's sake that part of his thinking about you know what they're doing is that they were is that there will be some glory that hopefully will rehabilitate his reputation mm, you know yeah. when he when he comes back from mars and obviously catch love has his own particular brand of glory seeking i think cash has been blackmailing him for longer than being on mars though because i mean they're not drawing a paycheck so the fact that he's bleeding me dry he must have been doing it before they left so sure but he he, he it couldn't have been for a long time because you you would think at some point i don't know maybe catch love is if it, it if it's a parasitic relationship like that maybe catch love is engineering it so that God's sake, it doesn't get discovered because as soon as he's discovered his, you know, his source of revenue drives, drive. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. It didn't, it didn't feel like it mattered uh, hugely to me because there were enough ways in which it could quite realistically have continued whilst they were, you know, stuck on the red planet. I was just, I, I mean, basically in the end, what the, the part that bothered me was, look, he's got a noose mark around his neck. Put him in jail. Okay. And all the troops decide to follow Catchlove, who is obviously a jerk. <laughs> right? Surely but, everyone there on Mars knows Catchlove is a complete and absolute bastard. And but, uh, the colonel is I, a kind of nice guy. You would think on another planet, and two men in ranking uniform, that they would still hold with the colonel. This is, this is mutiny like it would be on a ship. The question is, I think... Who, who do you who do you believe will be the the kind of winner out of it? Do you, it it seems to me that at that point, Catch Love has the upper hand. Hmm. It it doesn't seem like God's Acre is going to stand his corner, and he's not going to try and rally the men behind him. It's not clear um, that they would rally behind him anyway. So. And, and and once some of them have gone that way, I mean the other question about about the men that are following them, if you know if he's around, perhaps the these these are basically a bunch of you know less than um, totally upstanding soldiers. They okay. may be scallywags and and kind of misfit. Yeah, and that's possible too. I certainly certainly it yeah it was it was an interesting collection of true. I'll tell you what I loved. I loved what happened to him when they got hit by the ice warrior gun. Oh God, that was absolutely petrifying. If they'd had an effect like that in a in a story in 1981 or whatever, I would have been having nightmares for weeks. I can imagine, and and you know, it, I mean, obviously, it, that's not what happened in the old ice warriors. But at the same time, you can kind of imagine it because what they used to do is put them behind a a mirror and twist it and bend it out of shape and they would scream while they're being yeah which you know it doesn't actually take much to carry that a step forward and say oh yeah okay that's what they didn't show us is what happened to the bodies um yeah that was that was gruesome i don't it, know it would give it, me it, nightmares but it was oh it would definitely and in a way there's something more i mean the kind of in a way i think the sort of gold standard of terrifying weapons is uh, you know, in the modern series and in, in in this century's episodes, is the Dalek um, gun kind of showing you the skeleton. Though you know, even going back to the early days, just the whole kind of reverse mm-hmm. thing w- was pre- pretty petrifying in a in a straight 
kind of energy bolt laser weapon thing kind of a way and this is so much less you know on the face of it you're turning people into kind of bouncing balls kind and of, there's yeah. some <laughs> there's there's something kind of slightly amusing about that idea except when you see it, it the it's this kind of surreal horror that just yeah that would that would that would be haunting my my thoughts i watched them a little closer on my second view and i I think they were pretty wise to avoid allowing you to see the face well but that's what i mean but one of them did have a hand sticking out and that was and i think it was still moving a little bit uh that was a bit it's like oh it 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 didn't show you an awful lot Uh, i mean i haven't rewatched it and freeze-framed these things but it certainly felt like you didn't see that much and yet you know your imagination fills in the gaps and Mm -hmm. yeah you could almost be forgiven plenty horrific you could almost be forgiven if maybe if you're a kid watching it what you saw was the person got wiped out and what's left is a bundle of clothing yeah but it's not (laughs) no um but i could see how you could kind of get away with that is if we're not showing anything with his clothing and it's all kind of wrapped up in a bundle <laughs> but that one with a hand popping out was just <laughs> like okay well uh, it's um again did we see that did we see the ice warrior weapon in the uh cold war hey, i remembered its name cold war uh i don't remember i don't remember him it's a while since i watched it. the episode so i couldn't be that specific about a detail um what else have we got uh before we talk about the mysterious tardis trip um well i i I mean i think one of the interesting things about that is going to be the structure but i i overall there's a there's a thing that i like about this episode which is how it fits because we're talking about how it fits in with all the kind of ice warrior stuff but this the obviously I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I just think Capaldi is astonishing in how much his performance has developed. And I was very happy with him a couple of seasons ago. But now he is so much the Doctor. It just is... It's a crime. It's, it's, he's leaving now. Well, it is a crime he's leaving. And it is, it's, it's kind of difficult to think of anyone who is more the doctor whereas i think when he started it was so different that while you enjoyed it as a performance it was it was kind of something that stood alongside other different interpretations of the doctor um but and 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 i and you know another great performance in this and i thought uh, that gatis wrote really well for for the doctor um tiny little bit more generically for bill probably but i liked that line in um in this where he brokers everything so that um, Godsaker doesn't get um, sacrificed or executed. And he stops everyone else from interfering. Mm-hmm. And Bill asks, did you know that was going to happen? And he says, my problem has always been thinking like a warrior. And so what Gators has managed to do in this is, is, is tie, in, tie in writing the Doctor, writing the 12th Doctor, the Doctor we're getting now, in a very traditional story where he's playing a very traditional doctorish role and yet nodding to all of the kind of uh, good man goes to war um losing the name of doctor all that all the all the kind of other stuff that has mm-hmm. been brought into the 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 series in the kind of last um well the last i suppose the, the kind of matt smith years uh, primarily uh, and i i just thought it, you know, it was another nice, another nice in indication of where he'd pulled in another piece that mm-hmm. fitted in with the story, worked really well on its own, but also made it part of this larger, multi-dimensional jigsaw that is Doctor Who. So, bravo! And 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 that that does actually remind me. I don't know if I don't remember if we mentioned on the podcast or not, but uh, in the episode Hellbent, uh, when they released the script. I think there's uh, there's a sequence in there that's not reflected in the the show, but it's it's there in the script for the director that basically points out that the war doctor is still inside the twelfth doctor. There is there is 
you know, a motion, a movement or something. And then it says a sign that the war doctor is still part of him. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, that is part of the Moffat, um, uh, mythos that he's built up there. So that, that kind of makes sense. Gaddis, of course, would be, would be in on that piece of knowledge anyway. So we get to see the ice queen for the first time in this, a new piece to the ice warrior mythos. Um, how, how successful is that to you? I mean, it's all right to me, but well, she's yeah, I mean, a million to me. You know, the, well, the long yeah. hair, the breasts. Uh, it, it was kind of... <laughs> was it hair? I'm not sure, but I mean, it was it was a range. It was a, it was a it was a nod to to kind of to demonstrate to the audience her gender, because presumably the vast majority of the viewing audience wouldn't be able to sex a lizard. Correct. Um, so, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's, I think I think part of it, part of it may be obviously you have, believe it or not, these these uh, aliens are played by actual humans, and. Therefore, it can be quite difficult to disguise some aspects. Of, and humans are mammals, by the way. Um, it uh, can be true. quite difficult to discuss some, of, to, to disguise some of that. But I, but I think the hair thing, you know, clearly well, it wasn't necessary. But I think it might have been a way to try and, de, you know, demark. Um, and and I, I don't know, I don't know what was going on here in terms of casts. Whether we had a new, whether you, whether you also have a kind of monarch cast generally or or must is it is it a down the female line thing what if there's a only a male offspring do you do you get an ice king uh but in terms in terms of the actual performance i kind of thought it was a bit hammy and over the top at first but it probably had to be realistically and by the time we you know we got to that final showdown i actually thought it it worked really well and and that that kind of thing. I suppose the reason it felt a bit hammy is because there's a bit more expression, and that's partly because there's more of her face visible and everything. But she you kind of needed it. She doesn't hiss. That's She's true. She's doing a Klingon, <laughs> and not yeah. a and not a. Iraqs. Yeah. Okay. But that's, she's not going to say her own name. So. Yeah. So that that was the one thing. We didn't get enough of. I guess we had a bit of Friday talking, and he's not doing the classic 1960s 70s hissing but you know some yeah yeah at least that means it's uh well i well i suppose because you see their their mouths it can't be nick briggs doing all the, the voicing um it could be nick briggs could do all the voicing but <laughs> well he would have to sync he would have to sync with the the mouth is what i'm thinking i mean he's obviously done a lot of ice warriors on uh, audiobooks and He's an extremely uh, good monsterer, um, but it is quite interesting to get you know some some variations in uh, in monster behavior. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't. It was fine, right? I mean, we 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 had ice warriors in the first one, in the ice warriors, and I think did they add the ice lord in seeds of de- seeds of death? Whatever I'm pretty it sure is. it's death. I think yeah. I think death is the first word that comes to mind, and then when they got around to doing the crinoid episode, they go, "Oh, we've already used seeds of death." Yeah, no, right, you're right. Seeds of, seeds of death. It is seeds of death, and and yeah, they introduced the ice lords in that. So, um, yeah, fine. And, and the grand marshal, um, but you know that's fine. That doesn't mean you can't have a queen too. Right. Exactly. So I, I didn't have any problem with that. I, I was much less problematic than. Oh, it turns out that's just a biomechanical suit with a little space squid inside of it, or yeah. whatever it was that was inside the Ice Warrior in in Cold War. Um, I kind of liked that the Doctor almost walked it back a little bit in this episode by making by making them integrated, yeah. as it were, or whatever yeah. it was he said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I was I was fine with that. I don't know that every time we have an Ice Warrior, we have to introduce some new revelation about their. Um, structure or hierarchy that's where we get uh, that's where you start getting a lot of um cruft forming on your mythos but anyway <laughs> uh all right so the uh last thing is how significant 
should the part that everyone seems to be ignoring that the TARDIS flew on its own, quote unquote, to take Nardole out back to Earth where Missy just happened to be waiting? Well, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I'm willing to buy that on the grounds that the TARDIS does just do some slightly odd things, and we don't know exactly what Nardole did. He didn't do anything. And, well, to come back? Well, I don't know. But to go, yeah. I mean, we saw him walk through the door, he walks nowhere near the console, and suddenly the switches start switching on their own, and off he goes. Yeah, true. I suppose that does need to be... I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I on the... on. Part of my brain just goes, oh, yeah, TARDIS does weird things. And then the other part of the brain, which is kind of thinking about what's actually going on here, is obviously what we've, what we've got here, what we need here is another um, Nardole light episode. So like, you know, like the first three episodes, it's really just the Doctor and Bill. Hmm. And so this is, a, this is a means for taking Nardole out of the picture. And it and it works in terms of that, and then at the ending, obviously, we get so after uh, you know, when we when we talked about extremists, I think that we were probably both thinking that the Doctor would get Missy out of the vault mm-hmm. because the the purpose of the monks was to set up a threat that was so great that he would need some kind of help in order to, to defeat them. And I, I wasn't that keen on that idea. Um, well, it certainly turned out that that wasn't true. <laughs> well, it, it 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 wasn't true, and I did and I I I did feel a bit miffed that then Missy wasn't in the pyramid at the end of the world. But when she when she appeared um, in the Lie of the Land, it was in a way that to me made a lot more sense of what the Doctor should what the Doctor ought to do, which is that if he needs her help, he should go and consult her in the vault and not let her out which you know he did and that was actually useful and served the story purpose but it didn't move the arc any further forward because clearly she's still inside the vault okay now we know it's her well okay but it did a little bit and and this is uh, uh, i know you haven't listened to our last episode so um only only because i've been so behind with watching uh watching the stories wasn't wasn't a recrimination it was just uh <laughs> just i know that you haven't so for the 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 basic that particular piece of it the question that was asked was oh now i can remember all their names boo hoo hoo at the end crocodile tears fake part of a plan to get out oh or, oh yeah or uh, yes you know trying to oh, fool I'm, the doctor into believing it's unrepentant yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I did pick up on that, and I, I mentioned that too. That that it, it's it's um, it's showing us something that and the doctor wants to believe it. Yeah. That that so it 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 tells us something about what is going on between the doctor and Missy, and now we kind of understand because that that question about why he was going ahead with leaving her in the box for a thousand years, and okay, maybe there is some reason for that, but it wasn't the it wasn't the the doctor so the the obvious expectation the doctor lets her out of the box missy helps him solve the monk problem but then escapes and goes on to wreak havoc and pursue her own agenda or whatever it was going to be and it wasn't that because he wasn't stupid enough to let her out of the box because it's not necessary to let her out of the box and what we got here was nardole in a situation where genuinely he he could be forgiven for thinking that the doctor and bill were completely stranded on mars with no form of escape mm. unless he could get the tardis back to them but he can't get the tardis back to them because he doesn't know how to fly it but oh it's look not, he's well, got, he does know how to fly it but it's not working okay he doesn't he, he's not he's not an expert on making the tardis work you know he's not a time lord oh but look in a in a box over here, he happens to have a Time Lord who is an expert on making the TARDIS work. And if he just gets her out of the box and you know gets her to to help him, he you can basically see that his he obviously wants to go in there, ask her what to do, and then go back and do it himself. But his negotiating position is rubbish. Mm-hmm. He holds no cards, and therefore you can see how in the end 
Missy is going to get the upper hand on him. And so to me, and I don't know what's going to happen next week, but to me, this is a much more satisfying explanation of how Missy gets out of the box. Well, okay. So, uh, one, at the end of this episode, she's putting on that, but are you all right, doctor? Which (laughs) to me also fits in the kind of faking it. The doctor still wants to believe, you know, she has, she hasn't, she hasn't reverted to, to being, evil now she's got out and you can tell because she's still got what i think of as her rehabilitation hair uh, <laughs> but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say well first off one nardole can fly the tardis just fine they showed that in i don't remember which one it must have been the superhero one because he was yeah he brought the tardis back and he'd been flying around and apparently having his own adventures on it remember he was wearing the marco polo era chinese stuff and 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 we commented and on the time that apparently nardoles can take the tardis and fly it around and no problem so but it wasn't that everything he was doing the tardis was not responding the switches changed on their own and took him back to home yes and then they would not let him leave and the only way to get him to leave there's absolutely no way that was not engineered by missy how she yes. did it, I don't know. But absolutely, that was her opportunity. They're out of the TARDIS. He's in the TARDIS. Leave him stranded. He'll have no choice. I, your, your, your hypo- I find your hypothesis persuasive. That's, that's where I... I don't know how she's done it, but she's smart, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's the part we have to worry about, is that she's clever, too. So... Uh, I don't know that I have anything else about this. Uh, it doesn't look like Missy's in next week's episode. Which is well, that would be strange. Well, from the in the preview trailers, they're running around Scotland and no. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily expect everything to be in the preview trailer. On the other hand, there was no Missy in the trailer for the Pyramid at the End of the World, and no Missy in the Pyramid at the End of the World. So maybe. Well, I, I mean, they have been following a path of ridiculously going out of their way to make the trailers deceptive. For example regenerating the doctor for no apparent reason Uh, i don't mind i don't mind them putting that in the trailer what i object to is them putting that in the episode but only only not even not even having it in the episode just not having any explanation whatsoever of how the doctor achieved the effect yeah no that no that was a a fair portion of our discussion last week was was that bit of a cop-out but you know they've been we've we've mentioned it before they've been they've been shooting scenes of the episodes that don't seem to quite fit in context when you watch the episode but it's like they shot that scene so they could lift it and put it in the trailer to make the trailer deceptive and that's yeah, the heard, most egregious example of it was I've the heard, yeah, I've, heard, I've I've heard you well yeah, I'm still I'm still don't I mean you you've mentioned that for, in regard to previous episodes and I still don't think that the the scenes don't fit in the story. Well, come on. I mean, the regeneration does not. Bill doesn't know what one is. The guards wouldn't know what one is. Only Nardole would be the only one that would have a clue. So that was written entirely 100% just for the audience. And just it was written for the, for the audience, but it wasn't written just for the trailer. That's That's where I'm differing. I think it was written for the trailer, but... I, I think it was part okay, of the cover Okay, prove it. <laughs> it has no purpose in the story. None whatsoever. It has a purpose in the story. It's supposed no. to make you think the Doctor is regenerating the story. It serves the same purpose in the story as it does in the trailer, which so is when, to create this false sense of So when Bill murders him in cold freaking blood, he falls over dead. <laughs> there was no need But we know, no we know he's a time lord. Thing. I, well, no, we know he's a Time Lord. We also know from Hellbent that when you shoot a Time Lord, it doesn't kill them, they regenerate. But it has no purpose in the story because Bill doesn't need to see that. If, no, but it, it, has were, a purpose, it, it has a purpose in the episode to fool the audience. It's there to fool the audience in the episode. It's not there for the trailer. But it doesn't we, fool anybody in the audience. That's the whole point. When you're watching the episode, there's oh, yes, you does. absolutely know that's not true. It's only when you see How it in the trailer. How do you know that's not true? You can't know that's not true. You've seen other clips that would make you think that the Doctor is still the Doctor from the trailer. Well, <laughs> You've but seen only, stuff only, from later only in the episode you, that you know you haven't seen yet. Your argument is becoming circular because you're saying that's 
that relies on you having seen the trailer. But what if you hadn't seen the trailer? What if they were making this episode first without making the trailer, and then they made the trailer after they made the episode, which is the normal way of doing no, every trailer? There is that when when they did uh, the end of time or the stolen earth or whatever it was, when they shot David Tennant and he started to regenerate for a moment, I believed it. Oh, I I believe I thought I bu- yeah, that oh. that one faked the audience out. Watch that, and you go whoa. They they could they they couldn't. This one didn't. That one was it a better work. fake. It was, it was a, better, a much better it, fake. It, it, this was a terrible one. It didn't convince you. It didn't convince me. But it doesn't. That doesn't mean they wrote it for the trailer. Despite I can't, the fact I that can, yeah. I cannot think of anything other than the the director and the writer of that episode saying that they deliberately included that scene purely so that even though it didn't fit in the story, purely so that it could be there in the publicity okay, I, I will, that will, I will convince me i will that concede that, the that there I can, was a I very can, bad case of poor writing throughout that episode but <laughs> i don't think that's a concession <laughs> i'll concede I think, that I think there were already, a lot of bad I think you'd already said that in in the in the so we i guess we I, could argue that it was just poorly thought out but i i you know, I guess I, 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 I want to actually attribute the writer with enough intel or Moffat with enough intelligence to say that they did it for a reason, not just oh, hadn't really thought yeah, oh, that doesn't make any sense. They, they absolutely did it for a reason, and I think you and I are in agreement that it is a poor decision in the episode, which is otherwise very well written. But we might not be in agreement about that. <laughs> but the only question is whether it was specifically done for the trailer. And I don't think we're going to agree on whether it was or not, because I don't see how we can determine whether it was or not. It makes more sense in that context. It's for the promotional. It's for the fact that they're running the trailer at the same time that Capaldi's out doing his promotional tours, going, oh, yes, I've already filmed my regeneration scene, even when he hadn't filmed the Christmas special. Oh, if yes, you, this regeneration if, is going to be different. You've seen regenerations, but this one's going to be very different than all the ones in the past. And you know they—they've been—they were seeding before the show even aired. They were seeding weird regeneration and then throwing that in that piece out there. I, 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 you're assuming your conclusion in basing your argument because if if you were to say, okay, let's just entertain the idea that maybe they didn't include that scene purely for for the publicity they included it because they wanted to create that moment of suspense in the episode but having made the episode they then go out and do the publicity they think oh we can play on that we'll include it in the trailer and we'll talk it up in all the interviews and i don't see why that is any more or less likely than the alternative hypothesis except that it's obviously fairly extraordinary to include a scene purely for it to be in the trailer feeling like they've been doing their best to just mislead us this year so in the trailers and doing a fair job but anyway all right i i I think that's the job of trailers they want to make you watch without telling you what's going to happen so they should mislead you i don't disagree that they should not reveal they should whet your appetite they should make you want to watch the episode they should raise your excitement about it they should not be a step-by-step telling of the entire story. I, all of those, all of those things. But when they have something that they've put in there that that feels, when you ultimately see it in the context of the story, superfluous to the story or out of context to the story, then yeah, it makes me wonder. And you know, in a way, these are the only trailers that they've ever put out over the years that have had uh, an, the effect of successfully misleading. I think the others have all been pretty pedestrian for the last 10 years. Just you know, <laughs> standard trailers. Here, here's an example of, of they have actually managed to make you think something's going to happen that, that does not. An explosion of the, the uh, Science Museum in Barcelona or wherever it was uh, in, in Smile comes to mind. But um, anyway... I guess we'll find out. Maybe Missy will be in it next week. Maybe she'll be back in the vault. Maybe having gotten out of the vault, she got what she needed to escape from the vault. I don't know. But it, it does look like well, she's not in the story next week. I, I, I'm hoping she's in the story next week. But I guess the, the, the kind of purpose of this expedition could be to gain 
enough trust to be allowed, you know, future. Hey, can I go out for a trip to dinner or something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of release on license kind of arrangements. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out in this episode. Uh, the podcast will probably be coming out uh, probably about the time the uh, next episode of Doctor Who airs because of how late we did it in the week. Um, and just as a advanced warning to our listeners, I will be out of town on vacation during the subsequent two episodes of Doctor Who. So uh, I know. So there will not be a uh, immediate episode for two in a row. So we'll be switching back to some of our, um, I don't know what's up next. I think Kolchak's up next. And, uh, then I think a Blake seven. So, but we will catch up with the doctor who episodes just as soon as I'm back on, on this side of the planet. Well, I'll be on this side of the planet, but down out <laughs> of the Hills. So Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.